Hallelujah. Let's just worship him together. Make him welcome. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, we know our Redeemer lives. What a privilege it is to serve him today. Be together in the house of God and worship the Lord together. Such an honor to be here and to be with the saints of God. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to spot them. There they are over there. Brother and Sister Hollis, God bless you. It's so nice to have y'all today. Wow. What a treat. God bless you both. Amen. Amen. Sure love you. Sure love you both. I'm trying to see Sister Hollis there. There we go. God bless you, Sister Hollis. Amen. Could see Brother Brother James, but my, it's just so wonderful to have them together. Just um, be able to come one more time to the to the service of the Lord. I live up near Hope, Arkansas, a couple hours away. And age has got it where they can't come every service, but they're here today. Amen. Amen. We so appreciate them being here. Amen. Glad to have each one of you that is assembled with us, the Wheaton family here and uh, different ones that I just look around and see, see you all. It's just good to be together. Now, next Wednesday and next Sunday, we'll be away going to Brother Timothy and I and some of the others will be going away to Brother Ron Spencer's meeting, Labor Day meeting. But uh, we got a special speaker for you, for those are, that are going to be here, remaining behind. And um, you'll be blessed. Brother Joshua Martin will be ministering here in our stead on uh, Wednesday and Sunday. So we're just looking to the Lord. Now, this Wednesday, Brother Joe Adams, but then Sunday and Wednesday, Brother Josh Martin. So just looking to the Lord. He's so good to us. We just can't tell it all what he's done for us. Amen. Got our young people back home, and they're all refreshed. And Amen. Church, we heard it sung a while ago. We're in revival. Our young girls saying, we're serving the Lord. And my, that's some real declarations. That's the way that we should be. Come to the house of God with expectation. Look into him to minister, to touch our lives, to change us in his presence. We can never remain the same. Also, the virgins that are there. I keep looking around, see different ones. Um, Brother Manuel, God bless you too. And each one of you, God knows who you are. We just want you to feel welcome today in the presence, Lord. All of you that are joining with us online and from wherever you are, little brother from Uganda wrote, don't know his name uh, right now. It slipped my mind as I walked out. But he said, just want you to know we enjoy every service. You know, God's speaking around the world. Just uh, minister to hearts of lives of God's people. So will God bless you wherever you are. May his presence be together with you too. For he said, we're two or more gather. I will be there in the midst. You're not too little that he'll just pass you by. He'll come down to the humblest home, the humblest, humblest heart. That's where he dwells is among humble people. We can humble ourselves today. He'll come among us. So invite him to your pew. Ask him to speak to you in a real and living way now. As we look to you, Father, we thank you today for your blessings to us. 
We thank you for the grace of God that's in our lives, Lord. And oh, how you have forgiven us of our sins, washed us, made us white as snow. Lord, dressed us all the same with the baptism of the Holy Ghost so nobody feels out of place. Thank you, Father. When we hit on the other side, we gather with the saints there. There'll be the gathering of the elect. There won't be one strange or funny looking or odd or oddballs or whatever, but we'll be all together, Lord, just in harmony and unity. May it be in this service today that it be the same. Maybe one likes Ford, one's like Chevrolet, or another drives a foreign car. But Lord, when it comes down to you, may we have one mind and one accord. We want you, oh God, we want the reality of God in our lives and the Holy Spirit to move. Ever need supply, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Don't pass us by. Now speak to us. And may we welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you will turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 18, I'd like to read from 1 down through the 8th verse. And then we'll read from the book of Hebrews, but um, Genesis 18 verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, behold, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself down toward the ground. And said, my Lord, if I now, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and and rest yourselves up under the tree, and, and I will um, fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts, and after that ye shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, make ready three, three measures of fine meal needed, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man. And he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And then over Hebrews chapter 13, we'll read two verses there, verse 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. We're going to speak today on entertaining angels. Before the end time, the Bible said the days of Lot would repeat. And in that day, God sent angels to get Lot, of course, out of Sodom that represented the church. And God sent the angels to get the elect to believe in. You see, Sarah had to get on board. She had to get on board with the promise and start believing. And um, because she had languished now for years and years and years and seemingly had given up on the promise. 
But God had to get his people to believe him. That's what God wants people to do in this age. He wants people that will believe him. And Abraham was watching in all of all the experiences uh, that he'd ever had in prior times, he was about to be crowned with an experience where he was going to be changed to receive the promised son. You look also in 2 Timothy 4 and 8, it talks about those that, it says, Paul said, there's a crown laid up for me of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them that also love his appearing. So you see, he appears to those that love his appearing. Now, honestly, Sarah was out, kind of out of sorts at this time. She was not believing. She was not expecting as Abraham was. He was sitting in the tent door. He was looking out. She was back in the tent. And, um, and she, she was maybe not having the same kind of expectation. But the thing about it is, is God will always get his elect on board. Some are expecting and watching and looking and anticipating and some maybe get caught up in Laodicea in the age that we're living this time where it's lukewarmness that predominates the age that we have to fight against so hard. And some will get caught up in that, but nevertheless, no matter where you're caught today and what snare you've been snared under, God is here to deliver you. And to get you on board to believe in. Remember those that were there in the scripture or actually in the vision of Brother Branham that they were out of step with the word and, and out of step with the tune of the gospel. You remember the preview of the bride and how that happened and, and, and he saw some of them get out of step. He never did say, no, 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 you're not bride. So therefore you're, you're rejected because you got as a step. No, they were bride and they had to get in step. So you see the prophet's voice screamed out saying, get back in line. And that's what we want to do today. If I know my heart, I believe I know yours, that that you want to be in line. You want to be in step with what God is doing in this day and this hour. Amen. Now, Brother Branham would uh, say uh, concerning this visitation to Abraham, as he compared it with the days of Sodom, and he said, He said, the day of visitation is here. And I believe that we are here in one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit, where that he is emptying out um, all that he promised into this age. Remember, all that was in God, he poured into Christ till it was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then, you know, again, all that was in Christ, he pours into the church. And he has been doing this to the through 2,000 years in the seven church ages. But in the last days, he pours out his fullness. So what an hour that we're living in. What a day. There's uh, not quite ever been a day like this day um, to, to the Gentile ages. For we, we are a privileged people called for a specific time, a specific purpose. Now, in this, we, we see that God would be working through human flesh. We have been through it of God changing his mask and him getting the calcium, the potash, the dust of the earth and, and blowing into it and stepping into it. 
But of course, we know that God doesn't do it that way now. Not that he isn't the same because he still uses dust. But he has got your dust that he has redeemed. So therefore, God is still stepping into dust. You that just received the gift of the Holy Ghost, that was God stepping into dust. That was the Holy Spirit coming into you where God would be tabernacled in man. You see, God wants more than a tabernacle in heaven or a tabernacle that we build with hands. This isn't worthy for him. And our bodies wouldn't be worthy for him except that he sanctified it. And then he cleansed with cleansing. He could fill it with the Holy Ghost. Now, so again, the day of visitation is here, but many think, oh, but God doesn't send angels anymore. Uh, but, but you see, he does because he is still manifesting himself. The Holy Spirit is that angel. That's what I want to get to you. Amen. The Holy Spirit is that angel. The Holy Spirit is that person. Amen. So you see there, there again, when, when you received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you were entertaining an angel. You were bringing the, the angelic spirit of God into your life to come and abide with you. What a wonderful thing that is. Brother, Brother Branham would say that, let me just quote it as he says, the day of visitation is here. You say, oh, God doesn't send angels anymore. The Holy Spirit is that angel. The Holy Spirit is that person. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he, the Holy Ghost, when he comes, he will do the works that he did. He'd be with us, even in us, and he would bring things to our remembrance that he taught and would show us things to come. The works that I do shall he do also. Now we're living in that day. We're living in the time. So we're living in the very time as it was in the days of Sodom. Where we got several classes of people. You have the Sodomites who absolutely go totally into sin. You have the Lodites, who is the church that goes through the tribulation. And then you have the bride, the elect royal Abraham seed, the called out group that got that sign and he recognized it. Now, so again, it is the the, the dispensation of the Holy Ghost that we are in. And it is continued on. It's, con- it's been on and will continue on by the administration of angels to the church. But, uh, but, they're, but they're ordained saints of God sent from God to carry the thing out. Every man, well, there's a special calling back through the ages. Uh, angels has visit men. Now, not a worship of angels like Brigham, Brigham uh, Young did and so on like that, uh, you know, Joseph Smith. But uh, an angel will testify to the truth of God. You see, it will declare God. It won't have some kind of mythical something that no one understands. It'll speak of Jesus Christ. It'll testify Jesus Christ and it'll produce Jesus Christ to the people. Amen. So God still has angels and they visit the people. Now, again, it's angelic beings who are the attribute of God and they're sent forth to minister to the church through the people. Oh my, how short we are of the real apostolic church today of the blessings of God. We fall real short. Amen. We ought to be a people who knows our God who does exploits. 
Amen. The pillar of fire is among. Amen. And demonstrating himself and showing himself alive and filling with the Holy Ghost. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 that are not they all ministering spirits sent forth the minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. So they are actually there to minister to us. Brother Brandon would talk about them and, and he, would, he would pray. He said, God give us an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he said, may the angels of God come down into this city and the cities round about and throughout the country and visit homes and stir people. Amen. Visit homes and stir people. Don't you want the angels to visit your home? Amen. Don't you want the Holy Spirit to stir your heart? Amen. To get you ready to cause your faith to advance. Amen. To get to the point that you realize there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. That he is able to do exceeding abundantly above that which you're able to think or ask. You see, now God has always used angels in his work. And, there, and of course, there's never been one that is worshipped or he wouldn't stand for it. A true angel doesn't stand to be worshipped, whether he's an angel in the pulpit ministering the word. He doesn't want worship. He's not about kingdom building. He's not trying to be the next great prophet and listen to me and follow me and I've got the word and this and that. But he, he's pointing you to Christ, getting you in love with Jesus Christ. Amen. The, Lisa, the last thing we want around here is a bunch of little Tim Pruitts. Amen. We want sons and daughters of God. We want them filled with the Holy Ghost. We're not trying to reproduce another man. We are wanting Jesus Christ manifested in human flesh. That's what we want to see in the church. There was a man came to Brother Branham, one of the theologians of the day, and said, Brother Branham, you keep talking about that angel that visits you. That's an error. Son, that's an error. Said God doesn't lead the church anymore by angels. Said that Daniel and the prophets and them of the Old Testament, they had angels, but the Holy Spirit leads the church in that's the last day. And he said that's that's true, but there's still angels. But he said that's not New Testament doctrine, Brother Branham. He said, Oh, sure there is. Sure it is. You know, to me, a theologian ought to known better than this. But sometimes they get so blinded by their creed or their idea or their dogmas or their church, their church theology because it ain't accepted here. You know, then they're blinded by it. They don't even read the Bible when the Bible is very plain. You know, there the Virgin Mary was in the, in the New Testament. An angel appeared and the man said, oh, but that was before the Holy Spirit come. Well, he said, what about Philip? Did he have the Holy Ghost? Well, there the angel of the, of the Lord there appeared to him and translated him. And then and, and gave him instructions. What about St. Paul? Did he have the Holy Ghost? Well, sure he did. Well, then, oh, what about Peter? Did he have the Holy Ghost? Well, what about Peter when he was in prison? A real angel. A real angel. Not a mystic figure, but something that reached down, loosed his bonds, opened the gates. Amen. And escorted him out of prison. Is that right? Amen. Paul there after 14 days, 
Jesus with no, no moon, no stars, no nothing there. Hopes was gone. The storm had taken them over and they were about to die and they, they were hopeless. And about that time, the angel of God dropped down and said, I was visited tonight by the angel of God who stood by me and said, there'll not be one lost. Stay with the ship. I just want you to know that same angel is screaming out to you today. Don't leave the message. Don't leave the ship. Stay with the good old gospel ship. Stay with the word. Amen. Because all that stay with the ship won't be lost. Hallelujah. Amen. What about on the Isle of Patmos with John? There was angels. Jesus said, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify these things. If he was so interested in an angel being present to testify to John of the initiation of the book of Revelation, what about its fulfillment? Certainly there would be angels. And let me just say something to you sisters. There's not just men. God sent an angel to Hagar, to the mother of Samson, to marry the mother of Jesus. Amen, to women at the tomb of Jesus announcing the resurrection. And it's not just to great people that angels come. Not just to the educated and the fluent and the rich and the ritzy, but it's to the poor and the humble. To shepherds on the field, angels came. Amen, angels came to not just astute Christian, but wayward sinners, wayward men like Jacob who had just cheated his brother and to Moses, a wayward prophet who had forgot about his commission and his calling. Angels still came. Amen. Even appeared to Balaam, a false prophet, and warned him, don't you curse my people. He appeared to Gideon to deliver God's people from bondage. To Isaiah showing him the throne in the temple. To Ezekiel giving him revelations of glory. To Daniel saying, you are greatly beloved. I'd like to hear that, wouldn't you? Amen. To hear from the angel of God saying, you are greatly beloved. Amen. I believe that's what God is trying to tell you through the message of the hour. You, you're not forsaken. You've not been forgotten. Maybe sometimes your prayers have been hindered. But let me tell you this. You are greatly beloved of the Lord. And I want you to understand the revelation of the last day. You must get on board. Amen. I'm going to have a bride and she'll be without spot or without a wrinkle or without a blemish. And I'm not going to leave a one behind, not a hump behind. Everyone is going. Our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren, hallelujah, husband, our wife, our loved ones, everyone are going. Blessed be the name of the Lord. To John on the Isle of Patmos, there are anointing angels with faces like a lion, ox, and a man, an eagle. I happen to be, and so do you, happen to be anointed by the flying eagle. Angels contend with the devil. A man Michael did over the body of Moses. Angels fought and contended with the devil. And when he was, when, when the angel was hindered by Satan, who was bringing a revelation to Michael, the archangel Michael, or to Daniel rather, the, the archangel Michael came and appeared and helped him. Angels appeared to Zechariah 
in the Bible, opening his eyes to the seven golden lampstands. Angels have appeared to you in this day and revealed to you what they mean. The meaning of the seven golden candlesticks, the meaning of the seven cities, the meaning of the ages, the meaning of the, the, even the names of the angels to the church. Somebody help me preach. Amen. Angels are absolutely connected with this message. In Revelation 12, he leads in the fight where angelic battles become humans. Angels strengthen Jesus on two occasions. Is that right? There after his great trial in the wilderness, angels came and ministered to him. There after, come on somebody, at Gethsemane, angels came and strengthened him for the cross. Angels, and if he would do it to the bridegroom, come on somebody, wouldn't the angels come and strengthen the bride as she goes through the most difficult age that there's ever been? You can count on angels to have your back. Hallelujah. You can count on angels to walk this road with you. You are not here alone. Amen. He is there to guide you, to lead you, to show you. And in the last days, when things get so difficult, Daniel 12, 1, and when things get so hard, at that time, at that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince was standing for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time, and at that same time, thy people shall be, somebody say it, delivered. That's what the rapture is, is a deliverance. Amen. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Oh, hallelujah. Angels are always present. There when Elisha was surrounded by all kinds of of evil men wanting to destroy him. There he, Gehazi looked out and saw the army and was troubled with all that was around. And, and he, he said, Elisha laid his hand on, his, on Gehazi and said, well, there's more of us than them. And he said, well, I don't see anything but the, the evil out here. I don't see anything but trouble. He laid his hands on him and said, open this boy's eyes, Lord. And he saw that already right there beside him was angels of fire and horses of fire. Amen. Chariots of fire round about Elisha. Amen. Brother Brandon would always point out, he said, they didn't just come there. They were there all the time. The angel of God encamps about those who fears him and delivers them. Angels have a lot, of, lot to do in guiding us to our prepared place. He said, behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way. When your feet would have stumbled, he gave charge over you. He gave an angel charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Amen. To bring you into the place that I have prepared. Angels anoint men to preach. Amen. 
since my youngest ministry, there have been, there have been people in the audience who said, Brother Tim, there was someone standing right there by you while you ministered. I, and he said in Revelation 14, 6, I saw another angel fly into the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. What do you have? An angel flying with the everlasting gospel, anointing men to preach. I don't mean to indicate that I'm the only one or that I'm the only one that an angel has stood by. But no, God, any time a man is anointed to preach, it is with the everlasting gospel. Brought by an angel, by an anointing. Now it is coming. He will send angels with the great sound of the trumpet and gather the elect from all directions. Amen. Let's not forget the mighty angel of Revelation 10. Is that right? Amen. A specific, special anointing for the last day for a special class of people. Now, this same angel appeared in this day and gave direction and leadership. And we, we would see him in, in the Brother Branham's ministry. As I, I've said many times, people have problems with, with Brother Branham and what he preached and, and the doctrines that he brought. Well, blame it on the angel. The opening of the seven seals, we have them because uh, an angel interrupted his human thoughts. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. You see, this is not the message of a Kentucky preacher. This is a message of Almighty God to this last generation, a divine gift administered by an angel. You see, Brother Branham saw, said that. He said, now anyone knows that the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel was the angel of the covenant. Is that right? Bible readers, which was Jesus Christ. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. Notice the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt. It was Jesus Christ. He was in a pillar of fire. That was the same angel that was in the bush of burning. That same pillar of fire. And he's been the guiding angel through the years. And I want you to say, I want you to say, Brother Branham said, when I leave, he will still be here. Hallelujah. I'm glad for that. But you know, God does some wonderful things. Many times he, he will visit your home and he will come right down to your place and you want your home to be a place that angels are welcome, where the Holy Spirit is invited, where he is the unseen guest at every table. Somebody help me preach now. You remember Zacharias and Elizabeth here, God appeared to Zechariah to give them the promise of John the Baptist being born. Him and Elizabeth, the Bible was saying, they were living upright before the Lord, keeping all the statutes and commandments of the Lord, living in perfect obedience to the word in the light that they had. So you see, they, they had a home prepared for angelic visitation. Amen. The Bible, the Bible tells us this, that, that angels,
angels will visit our home. Oh, I remember that day. Amen. And the most profound day when the angel visited my home and my wife was laying there blind and unable to see. I remember that day when Bethany put the baby down, little Drew, who had never walked, crawled, and was 18 months old, and he was sitting there at the end of the bed, set him down there, unable to get up on his own, and the angel of God came down through, opened up my wife's eyes, and healed a little baby Drew where he ran all over the, all over the house. Those are the kind of things when angels visit a home. Amen. Brother Bradham talking about visiting a home and one they couldn't eat her oatmeal or stomach burn. The other had a growth and that growth disappeared because angels visited home because somebody didn't give up on a promise. We ought not give up on our promise today that we can have him to visit this house. That he can come by your pew. That he can bring a healing to your life. That he can deliver you from your sin. That your evil habits will be controlled by the angel of his presence. The Bible said when the angels, when Abraham saw the angels appearing, Abraham ran to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. I want to just look at some of these thoughts for a little while today on entertaining angels because they're present and they must be welcomed. We must have a place invited. Amen. And the Bible said about Abraham, he bowed himself before the ground which is a sign of submission, reverence, humility, of recognizing greatness. He was looking out the tent door. He was under expectation. That's what I'm trying to get you to do is move from the back to the front. I don't mean on the front pews. I'm talking about in your tent. Amen, where that you come forward there in your experience, where that you're not back here in a bad mood, wondering if life is going to be the way it is and will we ever get out of this cycle of revival and death and will there ever be any hope? Is there any hope at all? Laying back there hopeless but getting out, sitting there at the door and looking. What's he going to do next? What's he going to do next? He put, he put healing there for Sister Lana. He put hair back on the head of Sister Mariah. He there made little baby Drew to walk. And there he pushed back a brain bleed and gave us many more years. All of these things in it. But what's he going to do next? should never get to the place that we're so satisfied that God moved back then. We should say in this service, in this time, let him move my way. Praise the Lord. He bowed himself to the ground. You know, sometimes we get questioned about the ones that fall down before him now in our prayer lines. That don't happen today. 
That ain't message. That isn't God. That's only the devil. For sure the devil can do that. The devil can speak in tongues. Amen. The devils can impersonate any gift that there is. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. So yeah, there can be impersonations. But you know this happened in the Methodist outpouring of sanctification. Happened all the time. It was a regular occurrence. In 1946, the angel of God appeared to Brother Branham. He had sent him out with a gift of divine healing. And in those meetings, he found resistance of the angel's message of divine healing, even among the Pentecostals. One assembly of God ministered there, a pastor in, in um, I believe it was in Little Rock that this happened. And usually Southern people are hospitable, right? And kind and, and you know, we're not trying to put ourselves above everybody else of the Yankees that might be around or listening in or other countries, but Southerners are usually hospitable people. You know, we, we don't call a minister by his first name. We say brother. Amen. We, we show respect and honor. We, we, we say yes, sir, and no, sir. Even my grandkids expect me to say yes, sir, no, sir, to them. But you see, you, you know, because we train them when they're young, you know, to, to show respect. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, respect. I think that's good. Amen. And so as we, as we think of that, uh, this man and this pastor in Little Rock, when he found out, uh, he was asked to borrow some folding chairs for the meeting. They run out of seats. And he said, anybody that believes that divine healing stuff and that angel stuff, listen, this was a Pentecostal. And he said, anybody believes any of that or going to that meeting, no, they ain't going to sit in my chairs. Brother Brandon said it was the worst I was ever treated by an assembly of God preacher. Now that was the move of God at the time. 1946. That, that's the move that F.F. Bosworth came out of. That's the move that Jack Cole came up out of. That's the move that A.A. Allen came out of, up out of. That's the move that Oral Roberts came out of. I'm just trying to show you, give you a picture. In those meetings, he found resistance to the angel's message of divine healing. You know, it kind of made some of the pastors mad. Well, you know, they, they left my meeting to go there. Hear that, Billy? That fanatical talking about an angel? And, and so, you know, they, the old formal established churches you know, had got to a place where they no longer believed in miracles because they weren't happening in their churches. So to excuse themselves of being void of the power of God, they felt with, they had superior knowledge of the word and they were too advanced for the supernatural. And they thought the supernatural was only for an infant church, one that was in its beginnings. It wasn't for a mature church. Those that really had the word and, had, and were perfect and mature didn't need the supernatural. You see, if you were really established in the word, you were too dignified to receive childish things. Now, do 
during his, during his rest between revivals, as you know, Brother Branham would have a, a breakdown from being eight days and nights in the prayer line, giving himself because he promised to pray for everybody and the prayer line never ended because people drove out for miles to get people in there in that prayer line. And during his rest between the two revivals, Brother Branham went up to British Columbia and he was tired and weary after hours upon hours in the prayer lines and spent days away from the pressures of the meetings refreshing himself. Miles, miles from civilization, civilization, he was there in the pristine forest of British Columbia hunting. It was there that he had been, got out and was on a horse. They had about 20, 22 horses out there and packed out other ministers that went along and they were a thousand miles from a hardtop road and he got to chasing a grizzly on a horse. Not something I would do, but apparently something he enjoyed doing. And he said, I wanted to get up to see what the old fellow looked like. I'd want to get a better view of him. And he said, I... I got turned around back there in the mountains, kind of lost my way, and I was way out after dark, and the moon had come out, and I could see, kind of see, but it was cloudy, and, and I saw a snowstorm was coming, and I found my direction on which way to go back, because there was no roads or nothing for hundreds of miles, and it was late. And he said, I, as I was traveling through, he said, I come up over an old burnover. And he said that where the fire had burnt down all the wood and everything like that, the old big trees standing split, all split and sap all burnt out of them and everything to bark. You're standing there. It was a big stately looking tree. And I looked there and the first thing I know, it was the spookiest looking place I had ever come to. And I looked and I thought, look at that moon shining on them old white trees. It just looked like my, what does that look like a graveyard and a lot of tombstones? So he said it, you know, it was kind of spooky for him and he wanted to ride on, but something spoke to him and said, stay here just for a minute. And I, I but I'm hungry, he argued, I'm, I'm starved and I'm ready to go and I got miles to go, you know, I got him five miles more miles to go over another mountain. What do you want me to stop here for? And so, but I stopped for a minute and he said the wind started blowing. And he said as the wind come down from heaven, them trees went, and I said, talk about lonesome, spooky place. I said, Lord, what in the world do you want me to stop here for? And, and he said, but you wanted me to stop here and I want me to stand here for a while. Maybe I better just pray a little while. And, I got down and prayed a little bit and the wind come back through and, and moved back through them old stately um, tombstone looking trees that were dead and, and said, ooh, as he howled through them. And I said, I thought of what Joel said. Now his mind goes to the scripture and he's placing this experience with the scripture, what the pommel worm left the caterpillar eating, what the caterpillar ate the canker worms ate and, and he said, this was once a great forest. It was green trees, but there come a great fire and burn all the things. And, and now, just like a big bunch of churches, great big spires sticking up like that, just look like a bunch of tombstones, a thousand degrees below zero. Walk in there and say, amen. 
And they turn around and the pastor get a deacon and take him outside the door. Why do you interrupt me when you're hollering amen? And then Brother Bradman said, well, you interrupt me when you don't holler amen. And he said, now looking around there and no spirit in it, just as dead as a tombstone. And he said, that's the way it is with these big formal churches. No doubt, sure, Methodists, Baptists, all of them big churches one time, but now what makes that wind make them sound so mournful? And I got to thinking that they'll come one day suddenly from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and fill all the house where they were sitting. And, and I said, God can send down an old time Pentecostal revival and all the churches has to do, uh, do is mourn when it hits them. They're stiff. They're dead. They can't move. They go, hmm, there's no such thing as divine healing. Oh, divine healing is gone. The days of miracles pass. Oh, there's no such thing as gifts of the Spirit. Just pouring the Holy Ghost out, just moving through their members. Oh, don't believe that fanaticism. Mm, we are churches. Look here, we got ritual. We're recorded, but brother, you're dead. The devil's fire has burned all the bark off of you. You ain't got no lively yet. Left yet, just a big bunch of ritualistic tombstone. And the only thing you can do is just moan and cry and go on. Remember what they're moaning and crying is because they're, they're saying days of miracles are past. There's no more healing. God doesn't move like he used to. And, and he thought, said, I thought, well, Lord, that's really what it is. Said, you know, the, the, as the, the, the palmer worm left, the caterpillar ate what the caterpillar left, and the locusts ate what the Lutherans left, the Methodists ate, and what the le- Methodists left, the Baptists ate, and the Baptists left, the Nazarene ate, and what the Nazarene left, the Pentecostals ate, and the whole thing is eat down. And he said, you know, till the church don't know what to believe anymore. And he said, because um, what the Lutherans left, why well, the Methodists come and taken what they had and the Baptists took what they had and Nazarene take what they had and the Pilgrim Holiness took what they had and the Pentecostals taking what they had. Look at the board tree. I said, oh God, what to do now? He's realizing what he is seeing is exactly what he's been experiencing out in this campaign. He is seeing old dead morgues of churches. When the wind is blowing and the angel is moving, and the Holy Ghost is sweeping through, they are resisting it. Because the life is gone. And he said, then I saw over in the second chapter of Joel, he said, I will restore, saith the Lord. And I said, God, what could, what could you restore? Surely, you know, the, the, these old dead trees won't come back to life. Surely these tombstones won't come back to life. Surely that's not going to be that. And he said, they're just an old dead thing, an old stump, and the moon's shining on it. They're a tombstone. Dead is 12 o'clock, midnight. The wind comes through, and you know. And, and I thought, well, you can't make that thing move, Lord, because it hadn't got any life in it. So how are you going to restore it? He's the first thing that won't let you preach this kind of gospel in the pulpit. And he said, that's right. Oh, that guy, he's a holy roller. Don't want nothing to do with him. That's right. The members would bring you in and I'll have to consult the board and the deacon and all this. And, and it goes through all that. No, no, no. Right down the road. Don't tell me. He said, I've been there. Remember this. He would face rejection over and over and over again. 
with the greatest vindication, divine vindication ever given to the Gentile ages. Now, so he said uh, again, he said, um, um, he said, I thought, Lord, what are you going to restore? And he tied his horse and sat down on the log and, and, and listened to them going, mm, and he's contemplating, well, how are you ever going to bring revival? How are you ever going to bring a restoration? And he said, I looked down there and, and I began to hear as the wind blowed, I began to hear also frolic, 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 frolic. And he said, I saw some little bitty trees that was coming up underneath them. And I said, there you are, Lord. I will restore, saith the Lord. Right in that same forest come up an undergrowth. What they call backwash today. What they call fanaticism today. And I said, look at the difference. When the wind hits these here, they said, hmm. But when it hits these little green ones that got life in it, it just frolics and jumps up and down. And oh, Holy Ghost, old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. I will restore, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see, Again, he said, he said, God is restoring down here now from this undergrowth that's coming up a bunch of people that's frolic and carrying on like the Methodist church used to. You Methodists used to have divine healings, power of God shouting. Well, I asked Barry and you students from there and he talked about them. He said, when they first come here, the Methodists was called Holy Rollers. That's where you got your background. They'd go in there and preach the same old gospel I'm preaching. They'd fall out under the out in the, on the floor and lay there all night long under the power of the Holy Ghost. They'd get pitchers of water and throw them in their face and fan them with fans. If you just let them alone, they'd come through just as sure as the world come through. In other words, to the real baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, oh, God wants to restore the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And he even pointed back to there in that movement and said, God wants that restored. Amen. He said there, he said, uh, you know, there, that same Russian wind, when they were in the upper room, come from heaven, filled all the house where they were sitting. They said, oh, I don't know whether to do this or not. If I go outside, they'll make fun of me if I say anything. What's why he said to go out? No, sir. The Holy Ghost met them, that little bunch of cowards. They got life and went down through the, through the windows and doors and out to the streets and acted like a bunch of maniacs and staggered and screamed and hollered and everything else like a bunch of drunken people and left until the ritualistic church of that day said, these men are full of new wine. He said, listen, you that are so dignified at the sewing circle in your church and got social standing in Louisville, New Albany, Jeffersonville, the Blessed Virgin Mary was in there and God Almighty required the Blessed Virgin Mary and wouldn't let her come to heaven until she got that experience. How are you gonna get there with anything short of it? Hallelujah. Well, it used to be that way when the Holy Ghost moved upon the Methodists. It used to be that way even in the Pentecostal meetings. By the way, it used to be that way on the day of Pentecost. And it used to be that way in Brother Brandon's meetings when he met Morris Reedhead who was seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost and had missionaried everywhere and realized I need the power of God in my life. 
Amen. He said, I laid hands on him, prayed for him in that room, and he fell under the power of God, and the little coffee table there broke the glass out of it, and he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and is preaching divine healing today on the field. Amen. Do you know Brother Branham prayed for churches to have that same kind of experience? I wish I could read the whole quote. Time won't let me. But here in this part, he says, May in the morning when they gather for Sunday school class, may great signs and wonders be accomplished. May the Holy Spirit fall in the building, a revival start, slain under the power of God, laying across the floors everywhere. Let me tell you again, it happened in the prayer lines. Somebody asked Brother Branham a question. Brother Branham, as I went through the prayer line a short time ago, anointed hands were laid on me and prayer was made for my unsaved husband. I was slain by the power of the Lord. Is this a definite sign that he will be saved? So even there, they testified in Brother Branham's prayer lines. When anointed hands were laid on them, they were slain by the power of God. Oh yeah, so you say, Ah, but Brother Tim, I thought this never happened in Brother Branham's meetings. That's just as far as you know. In the prayer line, this sister was slain in the spirit. She wanted, and she wanted to know if that was a sign that her husband would be saved. And Brother Branham said it was not a sign he would be saved, but that it was a blessing that she received. And by the way, he didn't rebuke it and say that only happens when the devil comes. But he said that was something extra God gave you. It was a sign the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is hearing you. He knows you, he's with you, and the Holy Spirit has given you a blessing. Amen. Amen. Well, if the Holy Spirit is giving it, I'll take that blessing anytime. Sure, there's fanaticism. Sure, there's impersonation. Sure, there's actors. But there's intellectual actors too. The appearing of angels is investigating angels of judgment. And Jesus is looking for faith. Amen. They came to investigate. They stopped first with Abraham. Amen. Found Sarah didn't have faith. Well, we got to fix that first. Well, we can go on down to Sodom and send them down there. We got to fix the, the faith of Abraham, get that in Sarah, the church, the bride. Jesus is looking for faith. The angels of Ezekiel 9 are looking for those who sign crowd for abominations that are done in the city. So they're looking for people that are, are contrite in spirit, they're humble in heart, that have a humility about them that wants the word of God to have preeminence. Is that right? Amen. So again, again, Brother Brandon would talk about these that they now, some of them they can't identify. Some of them are just hoaxes. We know that. Some of them are just foolishness. But he said, you know, with the rash of all of these mystic lights and things going around, he said, he, like it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, because of their sex affair, he sent angels down to investigate it. I wonder if angels aren't investigating in America who is now put into law same-sex marriages. I wonder if angels aren't looking there and looking as, as young men and young women are addicted to porn 
and every kind of sex sin that is going on. I wonder with the adulteries and the fornications and everything else, you know, if angels are not investigating that. Amen. Oh, the song says all day, all night, angels are watching over me. They're watching what you do. They're looking into man's affairs. They're looking into this church. What kind of church is it? Is it a spirit-filled church? Is it a people that are lukewarm? Is it a people that has passion, a desire, a longing that are watching for his appearance? What kind of people are in that church? They're investigating, walking down, seeing who it is that they can bring back into faith, that they can lift up a little higher, that they can give some guidance to their life. Is somebody with me now? He said he sent down angels to investigate. Angels have come to earth in the last few years. They've been seen amongst people. I mean, blood, I mean, honest blood washed people who knows it. They've even stood and had their pictures taken. That's right. Angelic beings has visited, taken word back to the Father that sin is heaped up to the stars. It can hardly shine. Amen. If you want the honor, of an angel visiting your home, you gotta have your home ready. That's what I say about a church. Amen, if you want your home church to have the honor of an angel visiting us, you gotta have it ready. Amen, prepared and under the blood. You can't walk with the world and expect God to walk with you. Amen, we don't wanna offend him in our dress. We don't wanna offend him in our attitudes. We don't want to offend him in any way. We want him entertained, feel welcome. Somebody with me? Amen. Because you cannot mix God and the world together. They will not mix. God is holy and separated from the world. And the only thing you'll ever see you is when he looks through the blood. But you see today they take away taking the church, the commandment, the teaching of the Bible and explained it away. Therefore, you make the commandments of God of none effect. There again, you take the word of God and I'm just quoting this from it, it wasn't so from the beginning. Take the word of God and explain it away some sort of creed and then you cry, where is the God of the Bible? And I just say, we need him. Yes. If there was ever a time we needed God, it's in this age and this time. Amen, down through the ages they needed him, but I'll tell you, you are not without life this morning. I need him for myself. I need him for my life. I need him for direction for me. I need him. I need his blessings. I need his healing touch. I need his anointing. Hallelujah. Amen. I stood last Sunday here and I preached there on a restored tree with restored fruits. And there I witnessed the anointing greater than I want to have in months and months. And let me tell you, I feel that same anointing this morning. It's an angelic anointing. It's the anointing of his presence that will break every chain, that will bring Peters out of prison. Amen. That will cause men and women to walk righteous. That will translate the bride of Jesus Christ. 
but when you explain him away, when you say days of miracles are past, no such thing as the Holy Ghost like they had on the day of Pentecost. We get it different today. I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. Amen, I want the same Holy Ghost that saved Paul, Peter, James, John, Mary that required Mary to have the same experience. I want that same kind of Holy Ghost experience. Amen. Oh, but the days of miracles are past. No such thing as the Holy Ghost. No such thing as divine healing. No such thing as the visit of angels. No such thing as miracles. And when you do that, you explain all the supernatural away from the Bible and take God right out of the church. You see, you got to have an attitude of believing. So, Brother Tim, why have you been preaching the way you have? Well, I'll tell you, because we got to have an attitude of believing. Well, we don't want an atmosphere in here of the Holy Ghost and people getting saved and all that. That's what I heard a preacher say. That's not me. I want that kind of atmosphere. I want that atmosphere where he comes down, bays down, changes lives, cleanses from sin, sets people on fire, invigorates them. Well, what we want is the character of Christ. What do you think the character of Christ is? It is the Holy Ghost. It is the power of God and the salvation. The, the Holy Ghost there cleanses you from sin, gives you a new nature, causes you to rise up in Christ Jesus. Amen. You gotta have an attitude to believe in. You're going to have to believe in angels before they can help you. God can't work against your unbelief. That's why he had to change Sarah's heart. Amen. Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on under the oak tree. You know, it's too hot. Sodom, the atmosphere is heated up. The smoke is out of hell. The stench of sin is heavy. Amen. But in a moment like that, there was another atmosphere being created under an oak tree. And I believe God has restored an oak tree in this day. Oh, I don't mean even like tabernacle. I, I'm not trying to make it, you know, us for no more. I'm saying that oak tree is a pride around the world. And wherever you are, you can create an atmosphere. You don't have to come here to be saved. You don't have to be here to have revival. You've got to have, got to have revival. And he's not just here, he's everywhere. He'll meet you there in sometimes the most inopportune times, but he'll meet you. Brother Branham said, you know, our, our revivals have failed and our healing campaigns have failed and Billy Graham crossed across the nation and he said it's a big ecclesiastical machine and God's filled it full of carbon for you. She's chug, chug, pump, pump, chug, chug, pump, pump. Gasoline run out, he poured water in it. Everything's gone, flat tires on every side. And then he, then he said the ecclesiastical machine has stopped. Oh God, don't ever let us stop progressing. Amen. Like I've said about this car, Brother Branham left us one that would drive. It would drive down to healing, to miracles, to signs, to wonders, to the real Holy Ghost. Amen. It'll take you places. Come on, somebody. It'll take you in a rapture. Amen, but he's a brother that lived, has come off of hell 
and streams of demons is pouring from everywhere. It's conquered the nations. It conquered politics till it's rotten to the core. It's conquered the churches until they know nothing but denomination. You say, are you Christian? I'm Methodist. you Christian? I'm Pentecostal. Let me add, I belong to a message church. That don't mean no more. I said the other day, than a pig, a hog, or a horse, or something. That has nothing to do with it. You're a Christian when you are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. Not until that. And you're yielded completely to the Spirit. If you're not yielded to the Spirit, then you're not born again. You don't have the Holy Spirit. You might speak in tongues and jump and shout and, and uh, jump and run. Paul said, I can move mountains with faith. I can heal the sick. I have knowledge of the Bible. I can go to seminary and learn all this stuff. Everything, I'm nothing yet. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Talk about the lid off the kettle. Demons going around, powers of the devil under the name of Christianity, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men, theological seminary doctrines, leaving the Bible alone. Hallelujah. Who is able to, who is strong enough, who is wise enough, who is powerful enough to tame this legion, stripping the clothes off of our women in the name of preachers, Methodists, Baptists, and even Pentecostals and message. Painting their faces like Jezebel and bobbing their hair, wearing pants just like men. Our preachers not enough get up about it to tell them about it. Devil possessed. It was Legion that tore his clothes off of him. Who is this roaring devil? I just want to say again, it's hot. Hell has enlarged its mouth. Sin is encroaching our churches. Holiness and, and holiness is done away with without no without which no man shall see the Lord and is crept in. Amen. Young women with skirts that are so tight. Mm. I'm not meddling, I'm preaching now. I'm talking about devils streaming loose and hell is hot. And little William, you said, and let me quote the prophet, and you wear little old skirts that's so tight, going down the street so tight till the skin's on the outside and call yourself holiness women. Is that the way a daughter of God would act? Right. You know, clothes above the knees, right. topped off with painted nails. Right. Oh, are you with me now? Yeah. Amen. You look like a bunch of perverted Frenchman with navy bean holes on your hands and fingers and nails. Come on. We used to believe in holiness. We used to believe in righteousness. Shouldn't we still? Amen. He said, look at the modern one today. Little skin down dress at every form. She can't move without sinning. Walking, tipping down the street with all the makeup and cosmetics. A max factor can put on her nearly. Fixing her hair like some little girl. Wear a skirt just up above her, about above her knees if she's got on any at all. But you look at her, she's pretty. Satan knows how to do it. He's the author of beauty. That type of beauty which results in sin beauty that results in sin. And I see, I see as the lid comes off the kettle, I see a new style raising up out of hell of these leggings. The worldly women found that they can wear them and show every form of their body. They leave nothing to your imagination. It's all there, skin tight. Every crack, every crevice. Amen. 
those, you know, who do try to be a little more modest, they wear T-shirts just to cover their bottom. But you see, that's one thing for the world to do that. But now it's coming in with our girls with a skirt that barely covers the knee. If at all, and they sit and expose their thigh or their crotch, and they think they're covered because they got leggings on. No, they're not covered. And for people that are expecting an appearing, how can we, when the angels don't visit places where holiness, modesty, and righteousness does not abound? And while I'm at it, you know, Brother Benham said, you sisters, you know, sure, if you want to wear a little necklace your husband gave you something special like that, you don't want to wear it, that's fine, that's great. But don't look like you, like you walk down to a, a, a dime store with a magnet on. And now you know there's one around this ankle and one around that toe and one around. The prophet of God gave you some leeway where you could wear a nice little necklace. But you see, the devil don't want it to stay that way. Any woman that dresses that way ain't looking for his appearing. They're looking for men and their approval rather than God's approval. Amen. Like it or lump it, that's the way I preach it here. Amen. Line up or leave. It don't matter to me. I never preach for money. I never preach for popularity. We want to preach and we want a place where the Spirit of God can abide. Amen. Where women look holy, where men are righteous. Why do you think all this tatted up business is going on? It's because the mark of the beast is happening. They're marking their beast. But look at it. Leggings. Young girls wearing them. Barely cover their knees. Got leggings down to their ankles. Sit over there in a chair. Exposed all the way up to their crotch and crotch and you know all all the you know all their thigh, all their legs, everything else, and they think they're covered. You're not. You can't move without sinning. In verse two, I know you want me to get off of that. So let's just go a little further. In verse two, the Bible said he ran to meet him. Abraham ran. I want you to look at the passion. And that's one thing we must never do is lose our passion for the truth, for righteousness, for holiness, for the word of God, for the spirit of God. You see, Abraham knew as he passed by, he must be persuaded to stop. It ain't enough to see him. He got to stop here. It ain't enough to see him passing by. He got to stop here. Let me detain him. Let me constrain him. Let me say, I want to entertain you. Stay a little while. Don't be so quick to walk on by. Come on in. I want to talk it over with you. Oh, hallelujah. Is there somebody here today say, I want to talk it over with him? Amen. He must be persuaded. 
Brother Branham talked about young men. He said, well, give their lives for their country. You know, fight their battles. They can be great men of courage. And it used to be that way. They'd join the army. They didn't care if it was America, you know, if it was Vietnam, they didn't understand what was going on. I'm American. If it's American doing it, we're going to go out and we're going to defeat their enemy. They'd go out and they'd take their training, stick their head up like a hero and get it blowed off. They didn't care. They would give their lives for the country. And he goes on, he said, but a man seldom will you ever find one that'll lay down his life for the cause of Christ. He won't even crawl out of his shade tree to go to church. And he won't even get out from behind the television long enough to attend a Wednesday night prayer meeting. It's a shame, it's a disgrace. That's the reason angels don't visit the churches. Woo! That's the reason angels don't visit homes. We gotta get down to deep sincerity of the thing. The angels of God are here on earth tonight just the same as they have always been. The Holy Ghost has been here ever since the resurrection of Jesus, the coming forth of Pentecost, and he's appeared through the, all the ages down, down, uh, getting a remnant of people together. The rest of it is cannon fodder. I just tell you that's it now is fodder that'll mix with smoke out of torment. Yes, sir. It'll take a born again experience washed in the blood of the lamb, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost or they'll never make that rapture. That's according to the word. Verse three said, now my Lord, if I've now found favor in thy sight, that's what we want. We want to find grace. Let me find favor. It, It would be a favor. Amen, it would be, it would be a, uh, an honor to have you come visit our service. Have you come drop down for a little while and let us just entertain you for a while. Oh, don't pass from, my, from that servant, I pray you. Let, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and, and rest under the tree. Let a little water be fetched. Let's wash those feet. There's been walking through that hot sand. Let me wash the feet of Jehovah. Let me have a servant's heart, a servant's attitude. Let me provide a welcoming atmosphere that welcomes the presence of the Almighty. Like Rebecca, when she was there, you know, and she looked up and she saw the camel train coming of Eliezer. She didn't know that strange man. She didn't know, she did not know that that camel that she saw coming was the one she's going to ride on to meet her new bridegroom and go to her new home. She didn't know that, but there, there again, there was something, something there when she saw him, there was something that she was hospitable. She was welcoming. You know, she said, let me give you some water and I'll water your camels also. Well, you know, that was, about, that was about 10 camels, the Bible said. And 10 camels, each one can drink 30 gallons. And they'd been a couple of weeks across the desert. They were thirsty. And so it would take 300 gallons of water. 300 gallons of water to water those 10 camels. And there she would have to walk down a few stairs and bend over to fill her jar, lift that heavy jar uh, there about five gallons, and she'd do that 60 times. 
I don't know how many people would, would entertain strangers like that. But here she was entertaining an angel unawares. Because the angel of the Lord, he said, the angel of God will go before you. And Eliezer was only just the face. Are you with me? She was ready to do the heavy lifting. She had the heart of a servant. You see, she's typing the bride, whatever it takes. I don't have to understand it all. I just know, I just know that there's something about that man, something strange there. And I'm going to be careful to entertain this angel. Entertain this stranger because in doing so, we'll entertain the angels unaware. Brother Branham said that Eliezer had prayed, and I think the Bible tells you the same, that Eliezer prayed and said, Lord, direct your servant, you know, there. May it be the one that offers to water, give me water and my camel's water. May it be the one. He prayed the prayer. He knew what it would take in order to get back. Somebody help me preach. In order to get back home, the camels had to be watered. Amen. And he said, he prayed and he said, Brother Bradham said, I believe the angel of the Lord, he, uh, he beat him to Rebecca a half an hour and he moved on her heart and spoke to her and said, get to the water. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. And Rebecca came to the water of life at the evening time. Oh, hallelujah. For at the evening time, it shall be light. Hallelujah. Oh, now light was coming upon her purpose and her calling. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a time that the angel Lord in the supernatural is revealing himself to Rebecca's today. Amen. To the bride of Isaac. Somehow or another, she was moved to go to the waters. Oh, Hallelujah. He said, the angel of the Lord in the message goes and woos Rebecca to come to the waters of life. Amen. You wonder what attracted you to this message. It was the angel of God seeking you out. Come on now. Seeking you out. He found you there. Maybe you was in a strange land. Maybe you were there in a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic home. But he found you. And one thing I like about him, he don't leave you where he found you. Oh, hallelujah. He was about to elevate her, amen, from a lowly position to a mother in Israel. Hallelujah. To be the wife to Isaac. Amen. Eliezer started praying, let that angel go before me. And I tell you, here come Rebecca, right there to meet him. You see, no more than your heart goes to hunger and thirsting for God, some kind of Holy Ghost revival will break out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Some people want to just chalk it up. Brother Tim, it's you trying to stir everybody up all the time. You're just stirring them up. You know, you're just whipping up a crowd. No, 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 no. You don't get the picture. It's the angel of God moving upon the people, calling for revival. Because it's revival hour. It's revival time. It's Holy Ghost time. It's going home time. It's rapture time. It's time that we are loaded on those camels and going home. Hallelujah. He said, I think of the beautiful Rebecca that evening watering the camels, watering the very thing that was going to take her to her bridegroom. 
And that's what it is, water. And the camel represents power. And the church of the living God today is rejoicing and watering the power of the Holy Ghost and pack her someday and take her yonder to meet her Isaac in the air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, what is watering? The very power that we are watering now with praises. See, that's why I try to get you to do it all the way from the front pew to the mezzanine because the very power we're watering now with praises, with thanksgiving and glory and power and might is the very Holy Spirit that attack us to Jesus someday. Hallelujah. Again, he said, like Rebecca watered the camel, the very camel she watered, she rode on to meet her bridegroom, that very God we preach about, the very word which is God, the very God that's in the word will rise us up someday by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and our critics will be killed by the same power that raises you to glory. Oh my, rise up and ride on it, you people that are sick. Amen. You may not be physically sick, but are you sick of sin? Are you sick of the evil age? Are you sick of all the hell around us? Are you sick of all of it? Then rise up and ride on it and give praise to the Holy Spirit. Like the woman who washed Jesus' feet, he saw her chance when she saw he had a need. We're all times worried about our need, worried about our feelings. Well, he preached he hurt my feelings. I'm not worried about your feelings. Amen. Baptist churches where they worry about feelings. Methodist church, they're worried about feelings. Can't say nothing about gays because it'll hurt somebody's feelings. Can't say nothing about the evil and it'll hurt somebody's feelings. I'm not worried about your feelings. I'm worried about his feelings. Is somebody with me? Amen, but we get worried about our need. What about his need? God is an object of worship. And so he has a need to be worshiped. He created angels to worship him. He created you to worship him. Abraham bowed his head to the ground and said, let me wash your feet. Let me get some water. Let me wash the dirt off of you. You've been walking through the hot sands. Oh my. Now here, Sarah over here, she's in a bad mood. She's still in a bad mood. Now remember, it wasn't she wasn't bride. It wasn't she wasn't in the promise. She just wasn't with it yet. Some of you get in a bad mood, but it isn't because you're not bride. Some of you get your feelings hurt, but it isn't. You're not bride. Amen. You're Sarah. Amen. But we're trying to get you on board to believing, to acting upon what you believe. Amen. And you know, again, Sarah's in a bad mood. And, 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 and here comes Abraham shaking the curtain and said, listen, we got, we got strangers here. I ain't in no mood for strangers. It's hot out there. And I ain't sticking my head out that tent door. Listen, Sarah you are going to make unleavened bread. Abraham, it's too hot to cook. It's too evil an age to have a fire. It's impossible to have a pillar of fire in our church. Are you with me? Amen, it's true. Let me, let me tell you, friends, it's got to have fire even for the Passover to 
too hot to make unleavened bread. Well, but they can't, Sarah, you know better than that. You can't offer any leaven in bread offered to angels. It must be unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And in order to bind the serpent death and have our change and have our son, we're going to have to bind the serpent death. And the only way to do that is to come with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let me just tell you, like many of you today, my whole life since a young boy has been a feast to the Lord. Abraham was making a feast. That's what your life is to be. Your life is to be a feast to God. And, and you know, a, a call to the feast, to a feast is a fast with the Lord. You see, it's unleavened bread. And since I've been feasting, I've been fasting, putting away ungodliness. As a boy, I even put away my education. I did. You know why? I thought about it, you know, when, when I quit school in the 10th grade and, and, I, and there, you know, even in my last year, I got a double study hall. I took spoken word books. And I read spoken word books through the study hall. I underlined them so I could preach as a 15 and 16-year-old boy preacher and have something to preach on. Because I wanted the people fed the word of God. Amen. So you see, you know, I, I could devote myself to the ministry and entertain Elohim. Amen. You know, sometimes you think it's impossible when we ask you, take a fast from Facebook. Take a fast from Twitter and Instagram. Take a fast from the news. Come on. The Holy Ghost does not feed on news. That's not what he relishes. He wants your best. Take a calf young and tender. Don't get the crippled one. That, now, now, listen, boys. They, you know these strangers that come up. You know, <laughs> just to hide the identity. I'm going to tell you about a home that I knew about. The mother had made a a, a dish of goulash. I, I, that's all I know to call it: goulash, something. And and they they had made that and. And, and there they, you know, the family, they ate it. And then the cat got in it. Ate some too. Then all of a sudden, company comes. So the kids, mom and dad's out of the home. Mom, they don't know about it. So the kids quickly warm up the goulash that the cat's been eating yet. Sometimes that's the way we do. You know, we, we just kind of get a little warm-up of a something. Not giving our best. We come to a service. Sometimes on Wednesday night, we, well, actually, you can have some real goods Wednesday night. A lot of times, you know, it's Sunday you want to drag. You know, I worked all week, Brother Tim. Give your best. Amen. 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 You see, he doesn't feed on creeds and dogmas. 
Amen. The serpent has got to be bound. So, you know, the serpent is hot on people's trails. And to bind him, you've got to be more sincere. And here, Abraham ran. It shows his eagerness to entertain, and he strained them. Luke 24, 13 tells about two that after Jesus had risen, went to a village called Emmaus, verse 28. And they drew near the village where they, whether they went, and he made as though he would have went further. But they constrained him and said, abide with us. You see, Jesus, the resurrected one, had been walking with them all day and, and, and saying, should not Christ have suffered these things and going over the scriptures and showing how that Christ would be? And it comes down to evening time. And when it comes down to evening time, you know, they, they go to turn in and in and, and he says, they say, come in, abide with us. And the Bible says he made as though he would have went further. That's the way he will do a lot of times in the service. He'll make like he's just going to bless somebody else. But if you will constrain him, you can get him to come to your pew. You can get him to speak to your heart. Amen. But it's going to take somebody that begs him, that constrains him. Now you must come here. Now don't pass me by. Pass me not, oh gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others you're calling, don't pass me by. Amen. He wants to see your emotions. He wants to know how much you believe in him. How bad you want it. Amen. Amen. Oh, brother, we got to be that kind of begging people, Brother Brandon said. Amen. People that sigh and cry for the abomination, the, the old mourners bench back in the church. Amen. Where instead of being taken out, that there's weeping and crying at the altar. And I believe, I believe in every bit of this shouting and jumping and running. But I think it ought to be foreran by real mourning and dying out and crying and weeping your way to Calvary and sorry for your sins for you jump up and run and shout. Amen. You know, it's not the emotion we're interested in. It's him we're interested in. Come and abide with me. Oh, you said, but I couldn't ask him to come in. I, I've been kind of a gambler. I don't care what you've been. He'll come your way. So well, I've been a sweetheart. It don't matter what you've been. God's trying to work his way into your heart. Amen. Somebody's got to be crying, even this cry. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. That's got to be a heart's cry. Amen. I drove through Menden this this day and seeing the signs elect this and that one and the other and knowing that there could catastrophes being come in and, and, and the city government turned around and, and bring every kind of evil into the city. And I'm thinking, oh God, you know, what is going to be and how is going to be? How will it happen? And I, and I just begin to say, Lord, whatever that it takes for our will to break, whatever it takes for us to be crying, even so come Lord Jesus, no matter what the elect in the Senate, whether they turn it back to Republicans or turn it back the presidency back to Republicans, and we say, well, we'll have a few more good years. Let me tell you, friend, we gotta get to the point that we say, I'm sick of this world. I'm sick of sin. I'm 
thick of the evil. Even so, come Lord Jesus, that heaven becomes more appealing than staying here. Do you remember this woman? Matthew 26, 16. Matthew 26, 16, 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world. Let me stop right there. This gospel has not been preached since the first age of the day of Pentecost. There was a falling away. We come in and we have it restored. The gospel is now being preached. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also do this. There shall also this, that this woman hath done be told as a memorial of her. So when the gospel is preached, In the last day, this woman who washed Jesus' feet in Simon's house and entertained Christ, that that's going to be one of the themes of the last day message. Oh, yes. And he did. And when the seventh angel began to restore the message back to the gospel again, this story reminded us again that we are in the appearing of Christ. And while he is here, he must be invited and welcomed and given service. Just as in this day, so it was or that day, so is it in this day. They wanted Brother Branham to draw a crowd. They wanted for entertainment. But they would leave Jesus in the corner neglected. Brother Branham preached the sermon all over and over again. He started out with a message called pride. And that was the first time he preaches on Jesus with dirty feet. Then he preaches it, titles it Jesus with dirty feet. The unwelcome Christ three times. He would even preach that over in Europe because it's not just America that he's unwelcomed in. It's the whole world he's unwelcomed in. He would preach again uh, twice at least the worst sinner in the city washing Jesus' feet. One of the meanest men in town, he'd entitle it twice. The meanest man I know the meanest man in Santa Maria. And then the last time he would preach it would be Jesus keeps all of his appointments. He will show up even when he knows he will not be welcomed. He he is rejected even now, today, among many churches that call themselves message. The worst sinner in the city was not the prostitute. And the meanest person was not the prostitute. The worst sinner in the city and the meanest man I know are those who invite Jesus and leave him there with dirty feet. 
And I want to say to you, this is more than a story. Because Jesus said this story or this, this will be told as a memorial. What this woman has done, it'll be an end time sign of what will happen in the last days that Christ will not be welcomed. Oh, you say, well, Brother Tim, um, all that was just pre-seals and we have advanced higher than that. No, it wasn't. He was still declaring that in the sermon in 1964, saying Jesus will keep all his appointments. He's got an appointment for this age. He's showing up in this church. He's showing up around the world. There's investigating angels of judgment. And they're looking for entertainment. Somebody to welcome them. Jesus had been invited, but it wasn't for the right reason. Simon the Pharisee just wanted him to show off, to use him to draw a crowd and to make fun of him. To find out his faults and his flaws and be able to pick at something. You see, Brother Brandon said, you see anybody like that hates you, your cause for Christ and to bring you in, it's either to get you a lot of money off of you or do something or use you in some way. They, they won't believe the message. They got you there for something else. I think about Brother Branham being invited to places and, and showing up and, and, and it flashed everywhere. William Branham will be here praying for the sick and there show up and they wouldn't let him out on the stage and say, uh, William Branham uh, had some sickness in his home and had to go back home. He's not here, but we got program and That's what he saw that when and there in the third pool of his ministry and he has the tent vision and, and he sees the, the thing, you know, the crowd is there and they're gathered and said, somebody dismissed the crowd. And, and he complained, he said, why, did you, why was the crowd dismissed in the vision? He said, oh, we didn't take up the, we've already taken up the offering. You see, it became about money. It became about building ministries. And I just want to say, message brothers and message pastors, it's not about building your ministry. It's not about money. It's not about who has the finest church and, oh, how many listens to me on the internet. You see, it's not about that. It's about Christ and welcoming him and recognizing his Messiahship. And when Jesus arrived, they didn't wash his feet. Now, that was a custom in that day, when, and it must have been a custom in, in um, Abraham's day. And apparently, Jesus wants us to have that custom in our day. You see, the custom was when you arrived to wash your feet. You're dirty from walking the paths and the roads where animals walk and drop their dung along the road. The long robe of the Galileans would, would have picked up the stink and the smell. You'd be embarrassed to walk on expensive Persian rugs and sweaty from the journey with dirty feet and grime between your toes. But that's what God did in Abraham's day. When he changed his mask and his fullness came in Jesus, God took on the stink of humanity to come and dwell with mortals. Now, the lowest, poorest paid man got the job to wash the feet. And when I think about this, when Jesus showed us of his greatness, 
He didn't do it with a stuck out chest with degrees, but he put aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself and washed his disciples' feet. He took the lowest place to wash the dung and the dirt off of their feet. So you see, they would, they would draw up a, a big basin of water, you know, and then, you know, they would take and, and maybe kneel down and, and wash the feet, wash all the dirt and the dung and the dust and the stuff off your body. Take a towel and wash them and take your sandals and set them up on a little mantle there at the entrance of the door. And, and then get a, a, another, another pair of fine satin silk slippers that are soft and compliments of the host. Put them on, makes, that, maybe, makes them feel more comfortable. Then your feet is washed and they pass you to another place and another man will meet you at the door. He's got a little pitcher in his hand of some real very fine oil of spikenard or something. Real costly. And there he would take and, take and, and wipe that upon on your face and wipe it with the towel, all the grime and stuff off and a little on your hands there and around your neck and create a smell that where you can feel refreshed and you know when you're other around, you're not worried about who a stink. Your feet is washed, you're, you're washed, you're washed, your hands are clean, your face is clean, and you're anointed. But the Pharisee, he was careful to, to wash Dr. Jones's feet. He was careful with the celebrity. He was careful with all these other, but he, he let Jesus sit there with dirty feet. And he was never kissed welcome because that's what the host would do. After your feet had been washed and you're, you were anointed and, and you're, you're dressed with a new pair of slippers and you walk in and then you're welcomed by the host and he brings you, embrace you and he kisses you on this side and, kiss, and gives you a kiss welcome. And there Jesus was in the home of Simon and he was miserable sitting there, no doubt. The Pharisees were talking about and testifying about the different things that had happened, the politics and what was happening, whispering about, you know, yeah, well, we, you know, Simon's got this Jesus here. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he's just not our type, you know. And, but Jesus sat there with dirty feet, unanointed face, no kiss welcome. And Jesus wants to be kissed. The psalmist said, kiss the son, lest he be angry. I wonder sometimes if our, our failure to kiss him welcome doesn't make him angry when he gathers among church members. You know, they, they will let him sit unanointed with dirty feet and be embarrassed while they're having their big time with their programs and everything else. How was it a flunky like that could have passed up an opportunity? How could it be that, that even the man, the herald that had taken the message to him, your master, or my master Simon wants to invite you to a feast. How was it that he passed up an opportunity to say, Lord, while I've got your attention, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I wonder if, how it can be that we can have a service 
I'm bringing it down to home. And he will pass by. And you won't say, God, I need a touch. Lord, don't just believe me where you found me, but Lord, I need my sin, my unbelief. Maybe you hadn't been drinking and smoking and lusting or whatever, but every one of us wrestle with doubts and fears and unbelief, and we can say, God, I need it all washed away. I need a real cleansing, Lord. I need a purging of the Holy Ghost. But there was a woman There was a woman passing by there that wasn't invited. And she looks over there and she sees him, that man that healed the sick, that man that pardoned others of their sins. That is, he could look and she said, he's that one, oh my, he's that one that forgave that other woman of seven devils. Oh, if he could forgive her, he could forgive me. Oh, if we ever get past in our experience the amazing grace and that sweet sound that saved a wretch like me, that we can lose our experience of saying, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I'm so glad, Lord, I'm found. I'm so glad you found me. I was a wretch. I was a nobody. I was lost. When you get in your presence, I don't know how she did it, but first she went up and she got that money that she had put away from her payment for her prostitution. But it was all she had. God don't really care what you got. He just wants you to come. You see, you'll be a worse sinner being a Pharisee than you will be a prostitute when you let Jesus sit with dirty feet. So there it was, you know, there again, you know, she, she went and she got up. She walked in and she said, I want the best. Remember Abraham, get a cap young and tender. We're gonna give the best. Listen, God would take any part. Yeah, he would even take Pharisees' invitation. Jesus keeps all of his appointments. If you give him 20%, he'll take that 20%. If you give him 30, he'll take it. He'll take that 30. If you only give him Sunday morning twice a month, he'll take that. If you just, you know, if you, if you just give him church attendance and yet... Some people think church attendance is in. Well, I'm there every time, but look, the devil is too. Look at your life. Look at what you're living. You haven't given him your heart. You might give him church attendance. You got that part. Well, I tithe. Gonna be a lot of tithers in hell. I wanna give my best. So she goes and gets the alabaster box full of ointment. She prays all she has. But it's not good enough even for this angel I'm entertaining, the Messiah, Jehovah God. Somehow she gets in. She gets in and she 
begins to put that ointment on her feet, on his feet, and begins to kiss his feet. And she's just kissing away on it in her tears. Her tears are coming down out of her face. And it's there and it's getting water and it's washing away. And she don't have a towel, so she just takes her long hair and she starts trying to wipe it off with her tears off his feet. And she, she's getting hysterical. And Brother Bradley said, when you get in his presence, it makes you hysterical. He said, I got hysterically. Any man that gets in his presence that believes him and has faith in him, it'll make you hysterically. On the day of Pentecost, when it come in the form of the Holy Ghost, they got hysterically. And when you really believe and you know and recognize it's your opportunity and you're in his presence and you're sure of it, you get hysterical. You get to where you don't care what everybody else thinks. You get don't care whether everybody's calling you a holy roller, somebody's watching on the internet, the foolishness of them people dancing and shouting and screaming and getting hysterical and speaking in other tones. You don't worry about it. It's your Jesus. And he's got dirty feet. I want you to think of it for a moment. Because you see, Jesus is not going to come from his throne of glory and let you wash his feet. But he's coming and he's appearing in dirt. And he'll bring a, a prostitute to this altar to get in that dirt. And you know what? He expects when he comes in that dirt for you to welcome that. Not reject it. Come on now. Oh, well, they got hysterical and they shouted and they danced. But it was a sinner coming to Christ. And Jesus had dirty feet. And I'm going to wash the sin and the world and the unbelief off of that life. You see... I spoke about dress a while ago because your works express your faith. That's what Brother Branham said. And in this quote, he said, now let your hair grow out. Expresses what you believe or not. That's God's word. There's no scripture in the Bible, but that's the truth. Why do you do it? You've noticed too much Hollywood in Pentecost. That's what's the matter. And we find out that's the truth. It's too much Hollywood. You watch these things and pattern yourself. A lady said this to me, with a little old tight dress on. I said, won't you take that off being a sister? And she said, why, Brother Branham, they don't make any other clothes. And that's when he said, but they make sewing machines. You don't have an excuse. I hope you're listening to me. I hope you're, I hope you're understanding something here. God wants to come and dwell among his people. The last quote that I read of the 1965 in the message communion when Brother Branham talks about Ananias Sapphira and that day returning, he said, God is going to dwell among his people. So there's somebody, some oak tree somewhere, some believing church, some believing people, some believing homes that's going to invite Jesus in and wash his feet Hallelujah, they're not ashamed of him. Amen, they, 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 are, they love him with all their heart. They love his appearing. 
Oh, Brother Tim, I'm no prostitute. That's what Brother Branham said. No, I'm no prostitute. I don't altogether mean sexually prostitution on a higher level. You can prostitute your time. How much time do you give him? Prostitute your selfish motive. Going around, well, I belong to this church. I'm better. No, you're not. You can prostitute yourself other than sexually. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and you say, I want nothing to do with that. You blind Pharisee prostitute. What's the matter with you committing adultery with the world? That's what you're doing. Oh, you say I belong to church and so cold and indifferent. Oh, you say petty prayers. He said, I hate that Pharisaic thing. Oh, you pray and make every common just common just perfect and every period just so perfect. You pray so beautiful. You can't talk to God like that. Amen. You are listening to what you're saying and punctuating your prayer. Oh, God, help you to turn loose once and pray. But what attitude do you take toward the Lord when he wants to come and bless you? Oh, I don't believe that stuff. Ah, no, that's fanaticism. You know, find something, something to criticize. He longs to see you. He's waiting. But he'll take a place in the corner. One thing I don't want for evening light tabernacle is Jesus in a corner. I want him to have the preeminence. I want him welcomed. I want him anointed. I want him anointed even with my tears. I want him anointed with my prayers. Amen. I want to, I want to invite him with everything I have. Listen, let me just say this to you, and I'm closing, trying to. But as, I, as I'm closing for the next 30 minutes, I just got this to say to you. Do you know Brother Branham also preached this in two other sermons at least? He preached it in the Laodicean church age when he preached the church ages and end time evangelism when he preached that sermon. Why? Because end time evangelism is going to include washing Jesus' feet. But why the Laodicean age? Now listen, who was the messenger to Laodicea? Was it not the seventh angel? Do we know his name? Don't we know that is William Branham, the seventh church age messenger? Isn't that the truth? So he comes in and he is now the vehicle, the voice, to speak the message of his age. And he takes you right into Revelation chapter three of Christ on the outside of the door. And he says, it's the most pathetic sight I ever saw in my life for Christ to get down to the last age and not in the church. Rejected, standing on the door and knocking. I want you to hear me message churches across the land and even in my tabernacle today. The last place he will be rejected will be in message churches. That's where the last places he will sit with dirty feet. I don't want that holy roller stuff. Days of miracles are past. No such thing as divine healing anymore. Oh, you're majoring on a minor. Oh, oh, oh. And churches become like tombstones. Burn over. Had a fire of yesterday, but 
They're dead. Lukewarm, cold, formal, and don't know it. Think about it. Oh, well, but it'll, it'll hurt. You know, Pharisee is looking over at him and saying, oh, I'll tell you, that woman getting hysterical. If he knew what kind of woman that was, you, don't you know that's going to ruin his reputation? Listen, Jesus' reputation is made when he's among sinners. He isn't hurt by sinners. It's made in the presence of sinners. And washing his feet, she takes that alabaster box and she snaps the tops of it and breaks it. And with her glory and her tears of repentance, she pours it all on her feet. God have mercy upon us in this last generation. It will be preached as a memorial, just like as it was in the days of Sodom. Remember Lot's wife. So shall it be in this Laodicean church age. Remember the, the Pharisee. Remember the harlot. Remember the feet. Jesus with dirty feet. Which one are you going to be? Which one are you going to be? Will you welcome him? Will your heart burn when you see tears of repentance? When you see him come down and bless somebody? Will it bring joy to your heart? Will you get a little enough hysterical that tears that come out of your face? Will you sign cry for the abomination? How long has it been since you talked to the Lord? How long has it been since you just really had that time of breaking up where that your sins were so washed away where he could say to the Pharisee, Simon, when I came in, you provided no water to wash my feet. You gave no oil to mask the stink of my body. You, you there didn't give me a place of welcome. But this woman, that's why I don't want him to look to me. This man, this woman, this church, this bride, somebody help me preach. I mean, this people, I mean, they have not ceased. Since I came in, they've not ceased. They sought me out. They knelt at my feet. They surrendered their all. They washed the dirt off of me. They anointed me with oil. And I say to this woman, your sins, which are many, are all forgiven. That's what I want you to say of me. Your sins are all forgiven. Washed, clean, purged, without spot, without a wrinkle, without a blemish. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Let the musicians come. Amen. Laodicea 
the last place he's rejected. Oh, that was the Pentecostals, yeah, they did. Methodists did, Baptists did. But don't you dare. The cycle of revival and death has to break. We cannot go on perpetuating another age. There's not another messenger. There's not another age. I just wonder what we think on this. Would you just bow your heads? Maybe you are guilty of neglecting Jesus. You know your prayer life isn't right. Your home life isn't right. You know it's been a long time since you knelt at his feet. Michael, where are you? Get that song. How long has it been? I want you to sing it. I want you to think of this just for a moment. Maybe you've been a little cold in your spirit. Maybe you've been just been a little lukewarm. There's just no real crying out in the spirit, no, no tears of repentance. No surrenderance to God. It's just been a long time since you were tender in your heart and sweet in your spirit. Oh, you, you can identify with Sarah getting in a bad mood and all out of sorts. But what about you and your walk with God? What about you, young girls, young boys, you're tempted to the world and sin. And you just want that to all go. You just want to make a real renewing of, the, of your trust in the Lord. What about you, church member? You've been a little bit too crusty for a long time. You want to just step out of your seat and just find a place around the altar. You just want to wash his feet for a moment. What about it? Where when I find, will I find faith? And you know you've been a bit faithless. Maybe you've not emphasized the right thing, and you just really want a closer walk with God. And you just want to say, "What about in your home? There's just been a little fussing and fighting, bickering there, and fault finding. You find fault with the church, and find fault with the pastor, and find fault with this, and you just been all prickly and out of sorts." You really just hadn't had a real breakthrough in a while and you're ready for one. I invite you to this altar today. The Bible said if you'd call on the name of the Lord, you'd be saved. How long has it been? Well, you can say, I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. I've had the baptism, but I need another baptism. I've had a refreshing, but I need another refreshing. I just need you to pour your spirit out on me. I just need you to come, Lord. I just need to be tender again. I just need to do my first works over and, and just get back to my first love and where I'm just in love with Jesus. Well, I'm not so worried about finances and 401ks and politics. I'm just wondering, I wonder to where my heart just cries out and said, even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come.
even so come. Come to my soul, blessed Savior. Come, Spirit divine. Let there just be a breaking out and repentance and a calling on God and a rededicating ourselves. Could you constrain him this morning as he passes by? But don't pass me by, God. Come to my place. Abide with me. Amen. Oh, it's hot out there in Sodom, but Lord, you're worth every bit of the unleavened bread and tender calf. You're worth every bit of it, Lord. I want just a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Renew me, Lord. Let me feel your anointing one more time. Let it bathe down over me with the Spirit of God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's right. Just a refreshing of his presence. Oh, renewing of the Holy Ghost. The sweetness of the Spirit. take another step today. I want that sweetness again, Lord. I want some real honey from the rock. And Lord, do it for me, Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come to me, ye that are laden and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Don't you want him to say to you, your sins. Your sins are all washed away. Your unbelief is gone. You're washed and you're purged. A new faith rising in your heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know of anybody whose heart ought not be on the altar. Mine's on the altar today. I'm just saying, I need a new renewing of your spirit, Lord. Sometimes we as old eagles get blown down and maybe get crusted over a little bit. Our feathers all ragged, but we need a new growth. Feel the winds of the spirit blowing again. The Holy Spirit moving. Dealing with our hearts. Surrendering our lives to you, Lord. A breaking up and a surrendering. Don't do it till you just dance and shout. Just do it till you just break through into that presence and the sweetness of the Holy Ghost is yours. Till you can say again, it's so sweet. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. It's so sweet that I can now take him at his word. I can be healed. I can be delivered. I can be set free. I can have joy. I can have, I can have every gift of God, every promise of his. Hallelujah. But I've been wounded. I've been hurt. I've been called names. But in his presence, in his presence, that all vanishes. That all vanishes. 
just love him now with all your heart. Just love him all the way from the front row up there around the altar. Just love him right now. All the way to the back, all the way to the mezzanine, all the way to the top row, all the way up into the booth, all the way into the musicians until the sweetness of the presence of God becomes. Thank you, Jesus. This is the word of Michael. Just worship him now. Has it been since you talked with the Lord and told him your heart, hidden secret? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed? Since your mind, since your mind, troubled mind, troubled mind, how long the was lifted. since your heart knew no burden. And you call him your friend. Abraham was called the friend of God. And you call your right, Abraham for all you'll him see. your friend. How long has it been since you knew?
Teddy. <laughs>